Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Olipop, a good for you soda that I discovered years ago and that is now available nationwide. Here's why I love it. It's natural and packed with gut healthy ingredients, but with the same, or in my opinion, better flavor than name brand sodas. Yet unlike regular soda, which is packed with sugar and can also contain artificial colors and artificial sweeteners, it has only natural ingredients that leave your body feeling great. Did you know that 90% of Americans consume more than the USDA's recommended sugar intake, which is 30 grams? And sweetened beverages like soda are the leading source of added sugars in the American diet. In fact, one soda is almost always above the recommended sugar intake for the entire day. But Olipop is different. Their orange squeeze, for example, has five grams of sugar compared to an orange Fanta, which has 44. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto friendly with less than eight grams of net carbs per can. They are so confident that you will love their products. They offer a 100% money back guarantee for orders placed through their website. I've worked out a special deal just for you. Receive 15% off your purchase. I recommend trying their variety pack as a great way to try all of their flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com forward slash wellness mama and use the code wellness mama at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama to save. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive, a company very near and dear to my heart as I have seen the difference firsthand that their products make with my own family. And I've heard from so many of you sharing your positive experiences as well. I truly love all of their products, but I have to highlight a few that I love especially much. Their breakthrough award-winning probiotic is hands down the best one I've tried. It contains a proprietary strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants directly in the digestive system where they can be best absorbed by your body. These are also heat-stable probiotics, meaning they can actually survive the harsh environment of your digestive system and get where they're supposed to go. Their K27 is the first all-natural pharmaceutical-grade K27 that supplies the optimal recommended dose for heart, bone, and tooth health. I'm also currently obsessed with their prebiotic drink, which tastes like a delicious tropical drink, and it creates a noticeable improvement in my digestion. And another quick tip, their probiotic is heat-stable, so I can easily add it to smoothies and even baked goods for my little ones who aren't great at swallowing pills yet. These are some of the only supplements I take with me when I travel, and I recommend them to friends and family all the time. Check out all of their products at justthrivehealth.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama15 to save 15% on everything. So that's J-U-S-T-T-H-R-I-V-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash wellnessmama and the code wellnessmama. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. And this episode is a part two with Sarah Gustafson, and it's about the mental, emotional, spiritual side of women's health. We went deep in our first episode on the physical and medical side and the mismatch there between men and women, both in research and treatment. But we ran out of time before we could really delve into these other areas. So today we go deep on what she calls the four feminine archetypes and how those each relate to women in various periods of their lives and even uh, in a smaller basis throughout the month and throughout shorter periods of life as well. She works with many women and many people in general in resolving trauma, working through health problems, and a lot more. She's a Czech practitioner and has 
direct experience helping a lot of people work through issues, um, both physically, mentally, emotionally. So we delve into some really fun topics like intuition and balancing those archetypes and having a proper uh, amount of each in our lives. And it was a new concept for me. So I'm excited to share it with you and let's jump in. Sarah, welcome back. Hi, good to be back. I am excited to chat with you again because our first episode, we ran out of time. Moms are the often busiest people I know. So I try to respect the time constraints of podcasts, but we got through so much fascinating information about physical health and the mismatch in care in the medical world. And there was so much more I wanted to chat with you about. So I knew I had to have you back on. And in this episode, I'd love to really go deep on the parts we didn't get to go as deep on last time and talk about the mental and spiritual differences and experiences of the feminine archetypes, there's so much to unpack there. But I think for a lot of people listening, even the idea of, and the words feminine archetypes might be a new concept. And I know you speak a lot about this and and explain it so well. So to start broad, can you kind of define what that is, what that means and the different feminine archetypes? Yeah. So an archetype, if you think of, let's see if I can um, put this in the most layman's terms of what an archetype is, is if you're watching a movie, an archetype would be like the hero, the mentor, the shadow would be like the bad guy or all the other characters along the hero's journey in the movie. Because every movie that we see or every story, every show, every fairy tale has a hero's journey. That is always the theme. So archetypes play roles within all of these heroes' journeys. There's always a trickster. There's always, you know, somebody in there that has to throw like the stick in the wheel and cause problems along the main character's way. But that trickster is also part of the story to help, you know, bring lessons for the hero. So hero would be an archetype, but also it's, there's, it's an umbrella within underneath the hero. There's so many other archetypes that would fit in underneath. So when we think of archetypes, we think there's universal archetypes, and then there are archetypes within our own personal consciousness that are always playing. These are actors that are always playing out in our consciousness and they or unconsciousness. So let's think of there's personal consciousness and there's collective consciousness. Collective consciousness would be using a duck and a chicken, for example. When a chicken first hatches out of the egg and they see, it sees a shadow of a, you know, like a hawk flying over, it immediately runs for cover because it knows that's dangerous. Even though it just hatched out of the egg, it doesn't know anything. It knows that's dangerous. That's collective consciousness for the species of the chicken. Now for a duck, the duck is a different species. And when it hatches and is born first, first thing it sees, doesn't matter if it's a hawk, a human being or an elephant, that's its mommy. So that would be the collective consciousness imprinted on the duck, the species of the duck. So the collective consciousness um, for those two are are very different, even though a duck and a chicken are kind of similar a bit. So for humans, the species for us, we have a lot of 
all of it. We have, you know, collective consciousness of the trees, the birds and everything, but also for human beings. And within that collective consciousness, we have these actors that play out like the hero's journey. And within the hero's journey, we have all these little actors that are these archetypes. And so we've got, you know, the magician and the innocent child, the mother, the Amazon, the wild woman. Um, I'll, I'll list out some female ones uh, specifically. The witch, the medicine woman, the uh, priestess, the queen, you know, all of these, these uh, archetypes, they're like, they're like movie actors. They're like the roles that we play. And we will subliminally and consciously identify with certain roles. So if you think of when you watch a movie, you may be very uh, pulled toward one specific character of a movie. That's giving you a clue as to what certain archetypes are really drawing out of you. Like you're very, you're pulled to a certain character role in one movie. For instance, I, when I was a kid, I loved the Karate Kid movies and I really felt like I connected with Daniel. And so for me at the time, at that, that age range for me, it was the underdog. So the underdog would have been my, that archetype for me during that time in my life. That makes sense. So those are archetypes. <laughs> That makes sense. And I know from some reading and listening I've done of your work in the past, there seem to be some really common ones and that often people will embody multiple archetypes or parts of multiple archetypes. Like we're rarely one thing and only one thing. And especially women, I feel like are so multifaceted. We are maybe not even meant to be only one thing and, and there's a balance here. So when it comes to the feminine archetypes specifically, what are those common ones that you see a lot and that like maybe we are meant to embody parts of? So when I wrote my course, actually, for the Czech Institute, um, Holistic Health and Performance for Women, I looked at the archetypes and how those play a role into our health and how we become disconnected from these roles because we are, since the 60s, probably, uh, we have really, women collectively have moved into very masculine roles and um masculine essence of our energy and how we even even mothers you know play into society so it was uh difficult for me to really narrow it down because there are so many archetypes that really women can all identify with but there are four basic universal archetypes that every single woman will experience and does have within her essence from the day that she's born and so it starts with the maiden. The maiden is like a developmental archetype. And she begins, you know, when she's young, zero to maybe nine or 10 years old. She's innocent. She's curious. She's unashamed. She's playful. And, her, you know, she's, she's very creative and out there. She's not afraid or ashamed of herself or her sexuality. She's just very out there, swinging in life and in nature. And then, you know, if you think developmentally, then between ages of 10 to, say, 18, 19, we meet the wild woman. This is all about individuation, finding out who you are as a woman, as a 
person, as an individual, your unique qualities, your unique talents, and you start to really refine because the maiden is really learning about the world, is really assimilating what things are, and she's she's dependent upon what she's learning and what she's being told and guided. The wild woman is like, no, I am who I am. And so she is very assertive. She's learning how to assert herself. She's learning how to be herself, create boundaries. And uh, she's really up to the challenge. And so this is a, a phase in development about refining and learning more about your own uh, special and unique skills and gifts. So then after the wild woman comes the mother and whether you have children or not, every woman has the mother archetype. So we could be mothers for many things. We, when we move out into the world on our own, we all become a mother we become a, a, a mother of our education. We become the mother of our own home and our own space. We become the mother of our careers, the mother of our gardens, the mother in our kitchens, mothers of our, our meals. We nurture because that's what the archetype of the mother is, is to nurture and to grow and to guide and really take care of what she creates because that is also part of the mother archetype is creating so anything that the woman is creating, she's nurturing and protecting. And that's the, the mother archetype. So after the wild woman, we move out onto our own. We are creating. And now we are protecting and nurturing all that we create. After the mother, that's a long development archetype that we hold for a while. So after the mother comes the wise woman. That's the fourth the wise woman is all about experienced wisdom and sharing that with those that she loves, her community, and in her career, and with the world. So she has reached a stage in her life where, you know, she's not trying to do a lot of creating anymore. She is now created enough. She is now experienced so much that she has gained all the wisdom to now share and pass on. So if you, you can also, you've, you may hear of it as the crone or the, you know, wise old spinster, but you know, I like the wise woman because we all have it. So even from the day we're born, we have the wise woman in us. She's always in us, that essence of the wise woman. And as a mother, when we're in that, that uh, season of our life, the wise woman is there and the wild woman is still there. So these four archetypes are always in us. This essence of these four are always playing in us and we can access them at all times. I love thinking of it in those stages. And it makes me wonder like what happens if someone either doesn't get to or isn't allowed to experience some of the phases of developing these archetypes. Like I can think of examples of maybe children who something happens where they have to grow up too fast and they don't get to be the maiden for very long or, you know, girls and adolescents who are taught either overtly or more just subtly that the wild woman is not okay and that it's not safe to be that. Like, it, do, can we get stuck if we don't have the developmental phases of some of these? Absolutely. Yes. I talk about that too with my clients. Um, I have some webinars on that. 
this is when the shadow of these archetypes will play into our psyches. So an undeveloped uh, maiden will have the shadow of the maiden. And so when we move into the mother archetype, it is very important for us to remother the maiden. So we need to rebridge that connection to our inner maiden and remother the maiden. Same for the, the wild woman. We need to remother the wild, uh, the wild woman. And the mother may have uh, those shadows playing out and not know how. So then she'll call on the wise woman who she may not have met yet. So she'll be calling on the wise woman to help her remother. So the shadows that you may see manifest are either overexcited or underdeveloped is what I say. Uh, underdeveloped maiden will probably in later years, say, you know, the twenties to thirties, you'll, you'll see her in the creator stage of her life. She will be rigid, have very strict boundaries. She'll have a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of perfectionism, a lot of doubt, a lot of self-doubt, afraid of taking risks. And, and to her risk is anything. Whereas, you know, a lot of other people would be like, that's not a big deal. You know, it's just trying a new restaurant, <laughs> you know? So for her, it's like, that's the risk. And she might um, have a lot of fear of change and um, hoarding material fixations. She might even exude things such as uh, extreme vanity because as the maiden, she was told all the time that or even taught or conditioned that the only thing truly that was a quality of her was her beauty, right? There was never a, anything about structure, nothing about discipline. It was just, um, you're such a pretty little girl. You know, we parents don't always, and family members aren't always intentional about this, but when we put this on children, especially little girls, and you're just, you're so pretty, you're so adorable. And those comments get programmed in to the point where later on women believe that that is truly their only quality that they have. And they get so fixated on that where they are terrified of not being pretty and it becomes an obsession and a fear and that's, that's the anomaly that you'll see out in society where these beautiful, fit or athletic um, women are usually the ones that, that have the most insecurity, that they're like, oh, I'm so fat, you know, or I'm, oh, I hate oh, my, my hair, you know, they're, they're so fixated on themselves. You're like, relax, you look fine. <laughs> You know, that's usually the girls that when they were little were just constantly always commented, so pretty, you know, and so it, it becomes an issue and that becomes the shadow of the maiden. Now, on the flip side, I can just talk about this forever. <laughs> Maybe I'll just uh, I'll send you my webinar slides that you could give to your listeners. On the flip side, there's the overexcited maiden. This was the maiden that had no structure at all. Uh, from either parents, and she had either one parent or uh, two parents that were not modeling the, the proper type of structure for her. And there was a, maybe uh, just uh, too much freedom, too much liberty. And so she may exude the, the more of a 
over-sexualization or a, maybe a need to protect herself, but she's utilizing, like she has very poor boundaries. Whereas the other one, she was like rigid. The other one has very poor boundaries and she ha doesn't have the ability to respect others' boundaries. And so she may go off to college and change her major like six times and switch universities and then drop out and she's festival hopping and you know so she because she never really had that that um display of structure and was given the opportunity to understand her gifts and you know she was just given too much freedom oh uh, definitely follow-ups to that but before moving on i I love that you brought up the idea of parents, I'm sure often very unintentionally, but praising daughters, especially for beauty and how that reminds me of in parenting podcasts I've done before, people have explained, if you praise your kids for something that's supposed to be innate, like whether it's beauty or intelligence, then that's something that is, they view as a fixed thing they can't change. And so they become so afraid to have that challenged or to not be that. And so for kids that they're praised for being smart, this was my experience. I became afraid to try things I wasn't good at because so much of my parents' love was built on being smart and being perceived as smart from them because I heard that so much. It makes me wonder, with daughters especially, how can we make sure that we're affirming them in a way that's nurturing and uplifting and supporting of that developmental stage? And is it the same as with not praising intelligence, of praising a variety of things and not the innate quality, but the expression of it or the hard work or the creativity or like finding a specific like, oh, I love how you did this one specific thing or how creative you were when you put these two things together or any guidance around that. So what I really like for, so I have three daughters and I learned this very quickly with my first daughter because she was brilliant. She started talking at nine months old. It was unbelievably shocking in sentences. And so she had just everyone commented on how smart she was and she was writing letters, numbers and you know, new colors and everything. So by the time she was actually in school, she developed so much anxiety because she was afraid to not be smart. And so what I really like is, like you said, not really focusing on the innate qualities of a child. And instead of saying, you're so pretty, you could say like, wow, you look just like your mom, or you look just like your auntie, or you remind me of... And I love the way that your eyes twinkle when, when you look off this way or when you're laughing and really in something to inspire, because in that developmental age of the maiden, you, they're curious, they're playful, they're learning, they want to know more. And so ask, you know, making comments that may be leading them into more curiosity to inspire is really helpful. So just if they're like writing and, and doing things, instead of saying like, this picture is so amazing, I'm going to put it on the refrigerator. And then you've got 20 just crappy pictures on the fridge. It, instead saying like, I really like the way that you put that color in there. What other colors can you add? What other animals would you like to draw? And, you know, if you don't know how to draw a dog, what, what kind of shapes could you put together to make a it look like a dog or, you know, just really inspiring them instead of just praising everything that they do is a really good way to nurture those, those qualities in them without creating a complex. <laughs> I love that. And so applicable, of course, to boys and girls, but I think you're right that the physical stuff often gets more directed at 
at little girls versus little boys. And as you were speaking of these, it made me see patterns even of, in myself and certainly societally of like over and under expressed parts of all of these. So I wonder like what is a like well-balanced expression of the female archetypes look like in someone? So a well-balanced expression would be, and that's very, you know, so we think of the four archetypes in a woman and I like to sort of compare them or, or mix like an abstract of all the four archetypes fitting into our cycle. So for a woman in her fertile years, it would be like the, the wise woman would be the week of our menstruation when we are bleeding because she is all about getting you know you through the tough times during she's all about transformation painful painful transformations so you go to her when you need help going through a transition she's the wise woman she sits with you through the pain and through the change and so i like her during menstruation the maiden is more of like when you start to have this new blossoming youthful energy coming out of menstruation, she appears. And so a well-balanced woman with all four archetypes is woman who is all balanced in all of her hormones. Her hormone levels are all balanced because you're going to see the essence and energy levels in sync throughout her menstrual cycle the wild woman comes out during ovulation. I mean, she is laser focused. She's got her boundaries. She's knocking out that to-do list. She's knocking out her workouts and she's getting all things done. She's much more horny than usual. And then, then the mother and the nurturer comes in because the both estrogen and progesterone dip pretty rapidly and your immune system is suppressed right you know, the week prior to menstruation. So the mother wants to nurture herself and take care of herself in preparation for the onset of menstruation. So I like to look at it in comparison to the hormone cycle, because if your hormones are in balance, you will see a reflection of all of these archetypes reveal themselves to you. And it seems like, especially in today's world, it's pretty easy to detach from one or more of these archetypes. And it seems like, I know I did this, especially in like the young baby phase to get like over-focused in the mother archetype and over-nurture. But even like you mentioned, you don't even have to have kids for that to express. It seems like there's a tendency for women to like over-manage and over-nurture and over-caretake everyone in their lives and then to kind of lose themselves in the process. And it seems like a recurring thing I've heard from a lot of women is kind of that loss of self in the process of motherhood, which of course comes with many of its own beautiful journeys and expressions and realizations, but um, maybe a loss of those other three. So when they say a loss of myself, it's like a loss of those other parts that are supposed to be there. Um, Is that your experience when working with people? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, I work with a lot of women who get burnt out and they are trying to do everything. And there's this perception that they are, you know, doing all the mom things when in reality, they're doing a lot of, they're not really being the mother they're at all. They think they are, but they're not because the nurturer and the mother, both the same things, is all about self-nurturing. So you're connected to yourself. That is the mother archetype. So the mother, if you're, you're, you know, taking, if you're getting really obsessed into the motherhood, 
you're not really in your mother archetype. You're, you're in a complex of uh, doing, and that is truly, that's transference, that's projection. And you're, you're probably more in your uh, maiden shadow more than anything than in the mother archetype. And so you're transferring onto the children what you did not get as the maiden. So the underdeveloped maiden or over, you know, like helicopter parents, maybe. So whatever you did not like as a child, you are transferring onto your children and trying to not give them, you know, pendulum swung the other way. So you're not in the mother archetype. You're just, you, you believe you are. And uh, so that's where I try to reconnect women to themselves because the true mother is connected to herself, her true essence, how you are. And in order to know how to truly mother and nurture that, that which you create, whether it is your children or your education or your career or your home, you have to know who you are. Otherwise, anything that you're doing to nurture and take care of and protect is just a, it's a ghost story. It's, it's just you in a ghost form living out through the stories of other people. So you're just, you're regurgitating a life of somebody else or many other people based on what other people perceive or, or you perceive they expect and what you've learned. So you have to know who you are. And if you took your children away and you took your education and your career and you took all of that away and you just, you know, zapped you out of your home and everything was gone and everything around you is just white, then who are you? Even your name, you don't say your name. Like, who are you? What is it about you and your essence that makes you special and unique? And that is, that is an answer that not very many people can, can provide when I ask. <laughs> but from that, once you get to that point, once you're able to get to that point and know who you are, man, you can be an amazing mother and you can integrate the wild woman when you need to, when you want to establish boundaries and when you need to be assertive, because you got to call in that assertiveness as a mother, because some mothers, they don't want to discipline. They don't want to raise their voice, but sometimes you got to call in that wild woman because there is an issue of safety and structure that you need to call in. And if dad's not there, you know, you got to call the wild woman in because the wild woman has a lot of masculine energy that you've got to, you got to bring in sometimes. And so it, it, it is important to know who you are in order to really be a good mother or to uh, step into the wise woman. I'm so glad you brought that up and that we ended up here. I was hoping we would get here in this discussion because I think in women, I know it can speak at least from my own personal experience, there is a tendency to fall more into that pleasing matching energy and matching those around us, making sure everyone else is happy and taken care of at all times. And that's a question I've been facing this past year and really trying to delve into is that question of who are you? Because often you're right. I think when we are asked that question, we start rattling off a resume or a list of accomplishments. And that doesn't actually answer that core question and that like that touch on that idea of finding purpose and knowing who we are internally. And certainly that's a thing that's helpful for us to know personally and to be able to model and help our kids discover. So you said most people don't know how to answer that question. What are some of the steps on the path to being able to learn how to answer that question and to find those things? I like to use symbology and art therapy 
because when you think of think of the mother, she's a creator. And when I use art with my clients, that's one of the first thing first things I go to is art. And in the very beginning with a client, it, it's so difficult. And you would think it isn't with women because, you know, you go back to childhood, like, what did we do all the time? We were always doodling and drawing or painting or, you know, cutting out pictures and stuff like that. And it it, it is a very feminine thing is to create. And, uh, you know, we're decorating our homes all the time. You think throw pillows and pictures and all kinds of stuff. But for some reason, it can be so difficult when I say, think of your name, your full name, you know, full name, the first, middle, last name, and think of what the essence of that is. Now draw a symbol for it. And I, every, every time they just get stuck and I'll get text messages or emails just saying, I can't do it. I can't, do, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And then I'll say, try using your non-dominant hand. Usually it's the left hand, because if you're right-handed, it's the non-dominant hand. Try using your left hand and just close your eyes and, and put like a paintbrush or a marker because it usually flows better. And just close your eyes and just sit and get very calm and still and just repeat that mantra over and over. I am, I am, I am until you hear nothing until over and over just i am i am i am until it's a rhythm and then it becomes in sync with your heartbeat i am i am and then when you feel like you're in sync with your heart write the first thing that comes to you or draw and just free draw and you would be just so amazed with the things that that women have 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 shown me that they come up with they're I mean beautiful drawings beautiful like sketches and and the colors sometimes it's just the first word that comes to mind and one very recently a woman that I worked with um, I helped her through it because I'll do some drumming sometimes so that they can't get out of their mind I'll, I'll on zoom I'll, I'll do a little drumming just to beat out any noise outside of them and the first thing she wrote is primal movement. I am primal and then moving, primal moving. And it's that it really gave me some goosebumps because at the core of our feminine essence, that's really what we are, is that it's that primal movement. We are everything, whether man or woman came from woman. And that is the, the, the primal essence of the woman. It all came from woman all the way back from creation. It was all born of a woman. And when that came from her, when she said that, and the one thing she was struggling with was connecting to her femininity. It was a really beautiful moment. And so when you can connect to your own feminine essence truly, then you can really start working with that, working with that wisdom and that is when you can really tap in, tap into these archetypes and, and really see the gifts that you have that are those innate gifts that were there before you really had a conscious, like waking memory of things. 
And to tie this into our first episode, like the idea of repressing those things, uh, often I don't think we think about, but there, that whole mind-body connection being so important and the idea of the body keeps the score, it kind of delves into the science of it. And you've talked about this, that expressing those things or repressing those things can actually lead to physical manifestation of disease in the body. Can you delve into that a little bit more? Oh yeah. Well, you know, for instance, I think of like the reproductive organs and the reproductive system. This is like the center of our body and the zone of our body where we are creators. Like this obvious, you know, you got the uterus, the ovaries. This is our womb. This is the center of our creative space as a woman. And I look at, you know, in metaphysical science, what we see is every system has a polarity. Everything in nature has polarity and nothing would exist without duality. Nothing. If everything was the same, we'd all cease to exist. And so even in our own bodies, women and men, but let's just take women, for example, the ovaries have dualities. So the left and the right. So the, the left ovary has a polarity of qualities to the right ovaries. So the left ovary is more about the flowing. It's more, that's more of the feminine side. It's all about surrender. And then the right ovary is more of the masculine ovary. And it's all about more of a an active and a creative force. And when we have any type of uh, problems in our reproductive system or our, uh, say our, our left kidney is um, on fire. We've got maybe kidney stones that's going to affect that side of the body. That's going to affect that left feminine side and it can freeze us up. It can freeze that feminine essence up. And in that reproductive zone of our body, that's where we are, have pull our creative essence. And then, you know, you could sit somebody down to do some creative project, they could get locked up. So that's where there's some interchanging and interrelated issues and challenges where you want to ensure that health is, is, is there. You wanna look at uh, clearing up any organ, uh, glandular, uh, soft tissue issues, even scar, uh, scar tissue, um, work out that scar tissue to ensure that uh, all oxygen and circulation is flowing freely through there. Because, you know, think about also when we breathe, if we're not taking full belly breaths and we're only breathing, you know, say from here up, we're, we're not getting full circulation and oxygen to, to all the organs down here, which is our reproductive organs. And those are very important. So, if we're not getting circulation down there, then they're, they're just getting hot and they're drying up. And then you get, you start to see issues such as the PCOS, endometriosis, pelvic inflammatory disorder, uh, infertility, and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff down there. You'll, you'll see a lot of inflammatory issues. So what comes first chicken or the egg most of the time, what comes first is the meta, which is came before, beyond, before and beyond. So it's the thought, it's the sensing, 
I think I have that behind me. Maybe I don't. No, no, I don't. So we sense something. Those are our, our sensory. Uh, so it's, you know, smell, taste, feel, all those things. And we can go one of two ways. We can have a feeling or emotion, or we can go into ourselves, into it, intuition. So based on our sensories, we're intuitively perceiving or we are emotionally perceiving. If we go into emotionally perceiving, which is most of us, <laughs> like triggery, then that will then lead to the top, the thought. So the emotion, the thought. And the thought then will lead back to another feeling and then back and forth, thought, feeling, thought, feeling. And that whole process, the HPA access, right, has all, it goes along the neuronal loop that hits our endocrine system. And the endocrine system goes through all the glands, it lights up all our hormones, tells our body what chemicals to send and uh, whether to increase our heart rate, uh, lower or raise our blood pressure, all those things. And so we are a constant high alert um, based on what we're sensing that's gonna cause problems down here. It's, it's gonna restrict our breathing. All these things are all autonomic. So we're not aware of these things that are happening. So it's all really here and here. And the longest road you'll ever travel is from here to here. <laughs> it's from your heart and your head. Well, for most people from your mind to your heart. And so that's how the physical is going to manifest. What's up here will show up all over your body because it all starts with something out here triggers something here and it sends signals all throughout the body that we are not really in control of or aware of because our body is so intelligent that it's reading these signals and it's preparing us because it's, well, it wants to survive and it's protecting us. So we have to be very aware of these things and mindful of when we have that sensation, what was that thought that I just had? What was that feeling? Where did that come from? And why did I think that? And it seems like even asking those questions helps to start to just that awareness starts to cascade into a deeper understanding of that versus just accepting, um, like, what's that cliche quote of like, don't accept or don't believe everything you think and don't believe everything you feel. Whereas I think mm -hmm. that's an easy thing to fall into. Um, I also love that you brought up the idea of polarity and the importance of that and, and maybe tying that in also with the idea of people we have relationships with in our lives and the importance of that there, because it seems like often when women start doing work, especially to work on themselves, that can create issues in relationships as well. Or like I've heard of many women who do work to process trauma or childhood stuff, and then it creates a mismatch in their relationships, especially with a partner or a spouse. Do you see that in your work as well? And if so, what are some ways to help women when they experience that? I try to mitigate this uh, from the very beginning. I think I was sharing this with you before that one of my questions when I onboard a client, uh, before we even get started, I do an onboard interview with a client. And one of the questions is who's going to support you as you change? Because when working with a client, it is absolutely certain, 100% guaranteed that she's going to change. She's going to go through, you know, some very subtle and also very noticeable, massive changes. 
whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, and or spiritually, all of the above, most likely all of the above. And this will create a lot of mismatches with anyone in her life. It, it'll be from children, partners, family members, uh, those in her social circles, uh, coworkers, uh, mentors, you name it. She's, she may no longer like the same shows that she watches. She may not have the same routines anymore. She may not enjoy the same activities, uh, foods. A lot of that is going to change as she changes. And so those in her life who are not ready to be on board with that will pose a challenge and some obstacles in her way. So I will ask her about this and we will have a very uh, transparent conversation about that because if there is especially a partner, an intimate partner, whether it's you know a boyfriend, long-term partner, girlfriend, or a husband, for example, if they are, if, if the relationship is already a bit unsteady or uh, communication is not there, hundred uh, percent, that's going to be a problem. So we want to prepare for that. We want to have conversations and I will likely want to pull that partner into some of our sessions to have dialogue on let's, let's talk about these things. How can we co-create your dream together? So the partner's not feeling left out. We don't want to bring someone, you know, if you truly want this relationship, you want to sustain the relationship, partner's got to come with you. And, you know, as you change, partner's got to come up with you. Otherwise, there's going to be way too much polarity. And that's going to create a lot of conflict. And conflict is either going to pull you back down, or it's going to end the relationship. Either way, uh, it's it's not going to be pretty. So let's prepare, make a plan for that. What is your desired outcome for this? And if your desired outcome is to maintain the relationship and, and maintain a healthy relationship or even improve the relationship, then let's get the partner on board. So I already have like binders for relationship boundaries and creating agreements and working with the couple. So even if even if the partner's not working with me, I'm giving her the work to do with that partner, uh, like homework assignments, you know, and then I'm checking in how to go, how to go. Um, those things are very, very important. It seems like maybe, well, certainly like massive transitions, like the ones we've seen societally in the last couple of years, and or maybe these transitions from kind of different phases or the different archetypes can lead to at least like relationship struggles. Or I see women who at a certain phase in life um, don't feel attracted to their partner anymore, or maybe don't want the relationship to continue. And it seems like that might be on the rise right now as well. Like I've seen many, many people transitioning out of relationships. Are you seeing that as well? And is like, are there any guidelines or help for women either trying to figure out if they should stay in the relationship and or transitioning out in a healthy way? Um, both. I would say 50, 50. I've, I've worked with a, a lot of women who are transitioning out in a healthy way. Um, I've had a few that have had partners that just were not, not doing well with their changes. And in spite of a lot of work to get them to bring the partner in and, and do the best that we could, they just did not like the work. So it's, it's sometimes it's, it's, you can't help it. You cannot make 
any one change. You cannot force your partner to do anything. And that's something women have to learn. They really, that is an, a very important lesson for women is, is to let go of that attachment. Um, one of the seven dark arrows, number one is attachments. Having this attachment that, that we are responsible for someone else's pain, someone else's reactions or responses or feelings or someone else's needs. That's, that's a big one in my lessons with, with relationships. We, that's what boundaries are. We are only responsible for our feelings, our needs, our desires. We can express them. We can request for our partner to meet them by saying, you know, what is, what is your uh, level of commitment to meet this need? What is your desire in meeting this need for me? But they don't have to, you know, and if, if they say no, that's okay, because that's, that is their boundary, and it's totally valid. So if they don't, then that's back on you to meet that need, and decide whether or not you can meet the need, or if this just it's not going to work. So sometimes it just you cannot force the person. And if they're not going to do the work, then you have to make a decision. So I have had couples that, you know, women who have had to make the very tough decision, especially with kids to transition out of a relationship. And um, it's valid. It's valid. You know, you, you evolve or you, you regress, you know, and because if you're in a relationship that is not supporting you, you're, you're not really going to just stay the same because if you've made some changes and you've grown and that relationship is not evolving too, it's going to pull you back. And you can't, like I said, you can't make somebody change. So you have to make a decision. You're either going backwards or you're going forward. And that's where I get, you know, I, I, I have a little bit of tough love and I'm, I'm very real about it. It's just, you make the decision. It's absolutely your decision. And there's no shame in it because you do what you do when you're ready to do it. And that is absolutely okay. Sometimes it, it just takes a lot of courage and you got to be ready. Don't jump ship when you're not ready. You do that, then chaos will certainly ensue. So just because, you know, friends are saying you got to get out of there or a coach or a therapist is saying this isn't healthy for you. If you don't feel 100% in your core ready then probably shouldn't you probably wait unless you're in danger but wait until you're ready you need to have the strength and you need to be fortified to do this so this decision is all up to you um, i have had couples that are have jumped ship too quick and then regretted it and that is very painful extremely painful when you are not very intentional and mindful about making the decision. It is so painful when it's all said and done, looking back and going, oh, did it quick? Because if you don't wait until the two of you have both done your work and you jump ship and then continue to do the work, and then you, you realize like, oh, crap. <laughs> this was meant to be, you know, and we didn't wait. And then maybe one, one partner has already, you know, made their peace, but the other partner is like, 
I really made the wrong decision, you know? So sometimes you really have to know, like if, because if the other person's willing to work and then both people are going, but they're just like eh, on, on different timelines with it, sometimes it's just got to be patient. Just be patient. Don't jump ship so quickly just because this is that or that's annoying or whatever. It is okay. I'm going to say this right now. 100% to get rid of your ideas and perceptions of how relationships need to be. Like you got to be in the same room. You got to sleep in the same bed. Otherwise it's like unhealthy or toxic or you got to go on vacations together. You got to do everything together. Otherwise, why even be married? It's not true. You can just be separate and work on yourselves and take care of yourselves. Create nice sacred boundaries around each other individually while you work on on yourselves and love each other and still coexist and have that relationship because what you're doing individually is nurturing that we space and creating a we-volutionary relationship, whether it worked out or not. But either way, working on yourselves individually and supporting that for each other, you're not doing anything but good for the relationship and each other. You don't have to be in the same bedroom. You don't have to go on vacations together. You don't have to do everything together, eat meals together and you know, all this stuff. It doesn't have to be this like Instagram relationship, which by the way, doesn't even exist. Like, you know, who walks around like this all the time in their relationship? <laughs> like 99.9% of the couples that are, are like doing selfies over dinner plates, like the other 99.99% is, is actually the good stuff. You know, the, the difficult conversations and the, the tension and the, you know, did you get the mail today and all those things, that's the, the cooperation of a relationship that's really worth being and noting about yourselves. No one, you know, you know, going on a vacation and, and having selfies, that's not, that's not the important stuff of a relationship. It's the cooperation of a relationship. Just no. Beautifully said. Absolutely. And I want to circle back to the idea of intuition as well, because you touched on that briefly. And I know we're getting to the end of our time again, but I'd love to kind of end on a note of what are some ways as women that we can help nurture our intuition and learn to tune into that? Mm, That's a good one. So intuition, again, I like to get into the creative space because that is one of those innate gifts that women have. We are peripheral creatures. I don't know if I shared this on the last uh, recording that we did, but women are a lot more peripheral than men. And what I mean when I say that is on a somatic level, we are wired differently. So not to say that men don't have intuition, they do. But, you know, if you looked at a brain and you saw it from like the front, A woman, this little area here in the prefrontal cortex is smaller, whereas a man, it's going to be a bit wider between the left and right. So because a woman has a smaller space between the left and right, I'm getting to intuition, I promise. The neurons have very shorter to travel between left and right. So women 
are able to utilize both left and right at the same time, which is why usually it's harder for women to meditate. However, because we're, we, you know, if we are, we got monkey brain, we can't turn off that side of the brain. We're still thinking about, you know, oh, what time is it? What should I leave to go pick up the kids? And did I forget to write that down on the grocery list? And the dog is scratching at the door. Like it's hard to turn that off on the brain. However, what we need to recognize is the that other side of the brain is always functioning, which is why we talk so much. And this is why we can utilize emotional language with logic and reason at the same time. It's why we are so good at multitasking because we are always using both sides of the brain. Now, in order to utilize that gift that we have, which is the peripheral, is we can utilize both sides of the brain and the peripheral, which is the sensing. So when back in the day, say Neanderthals or whatever would the men would go off to hunt, leaving the women in the, you know, the teepees or the caves or whatever to hold down. So for survival, women have extra sensate functions. And that's where the term, you know, eyes in the back of the head come from, because the, the smell and the hearing and everything is, is picked up. And you may have noticed this in any of your pregnancies, maybe your smell was enhanced, your hearing enhanced, just that sense of knowing is kind of enhanced. If something was wrong, you can just feel it. Women have that, that's peripheral. That's the peripheral sensate. So to strengthen that, what we can do for, especially women who can't turn off that like thinking logic part of the brain is to create, is to use a pen and paper and because then you're utilizing your, all the thinking processing and you're funneling it in through that creative side of your brain. And you're using the soul to speak in through you. So something like music, art, dance, storytelling, any kind of like poetry, rewriting, journaling, all of those things are going to help develop that intuitive process. Uh, storytelling is great. That's the wise woman archetype right there, by the way. Storytelling is, you know, if you're sitting around with your kids or even your girlfriends and just chatting and you want to enhance the story by bringing in some funny concepts or maybe exaggerating something, that's going to enhance your intuition because you're pulling in information, you're imagining. So that's the key word, imagining. Imagination is not lying. It's not insanity. It's not craziness. The term imagine or imagination, if you go back to like the original origination of the word, even back to Sanskrit, imagine means to in, see. It's seeing in. So it's projecting the image from inside the mind and putting it out and materializing it, materializing what is in the mind outside. So it's like the artist may see something in the mind and then paint it. That's the imagining. So uh, dreaming is a way of imagining. So another way to enhance your intuition is to write down your dreams. And uh, a great book is the uh, dreaming awake is the name of it 
I forgot the author. I'll send it to you so you can put it in your show notes. And Inner Work by Carl Jung, which is best listened to on audiobook because it's pretty heavy. But dream analyzation is probably my number one way to enhance your intuition because that is when you're dreaming, that is like your subconscious is speaking to you in symbols that only you would understand. So when you write down a summary of your dream and you look at the words, you underline all the nouns basically. And then you write down like, what is the Webster's dictionary of the noun, like a bench. Uh, It is a, you know, long public uh, seat to sit down and rest on. And then you go, all right. So based on that, my ego's objective identification of what a bench is, uh, a public seat, something to rest on, what is the first thing that comes up for you? Symbolically, what, what comes up for you for public seat to rest on? And then that's the word that your subconscious, what that's doing is it's pulling your unconscious, your, your into the personal consciousness. So you're like dragging the unconscious into consciousness. That's exercising the intuitive process and connecting you to your soul, unconscious into now the consciousness. It's a beautiful way to exercise intuition and connect to your soul. And so I definitely recommend dream work. Um, so the book Inner Work by Carl Jung and audiobook for sure. It's hefty but wonderful, wonderful work. And then again, uh, mandala artwork is an amazing tool. And there's so many things on online that you can get to, to start working on mandala work. I start my day every day painting. I, you know, get my tea or my coffee and my collagen and I sit down and I paint. Um, and you can even see like, I'm in my office, but right there, this is where I start my day. That's my painting studio right there. And then I flow and I come in here because <laughs> that's, you know, where I sit down, I, I start the day creating and I connect to myself. So intuitively, and I'm, I'm using my imagination to think about my day and how my day is going to go. And I intuit my way into the day rather than start my day already overthinking in overdrive. And that allows me to set my rhythm. So, um, creative work, anything that is creative. And again, the four questions of the shaman all have to do with expressing yourself. So getting yourself back into the maiden, she is not afraid or ashamed or inhibited in any way. Storytelling, dancing, singing, get some music on Uh, any, any music that calls to you and just move move the way your body wants to move. And if it weirds you out at first, do it, you know, when you're alone. Um, And then I really like the book. uh, It's by Penny Pierce and it's called Intuitive Way. Intuitive Way by Penny Pierce. I, uh, most of my clients, I would say like three out of four, I recommend this book to because it's, it's not a book you like read front to cover. It's just full of exercises. It's just, bunch of exercises and little things that she gives you to do. And they are so amazing. It's like little challenges and things that 
she will prompt you to do and they will they'll shock you you know because they work and once once you start getting towards the end of the book you're like wow i didn't know this about myself i didn't realize i could do this i didn't realize this like i had this much creativity and this much power of mind like one of the exercises in the book is to sit down and really focus and concentrate on somebody that you haven't talked to in a while imagine what they are doing imagine what they have been up to imagine what they're wearing and like really get into the, all the details and just make it up imagine it that's the key word imagine and write it all down and then wait a few days and then call the person up and just have a conversation with them and you would be absolutely shocked at how probably five out of ten of those points you were correct about at least so it's a really good book i like that one intuitive way by penny pierce I love that. I put all those in the show notes so you guys can find those. And you answered the other question I always ask at the end, which is about book recommendations. Those are perfect. This podcast is sponsored by Olipop, a good for you soda that I discovered years ago and that is now available nationwide. Here's why I love it. It's natural and packed with gut healthy ingredients, but with the same, or in my opinion, better flavor than name brand sodas. Yet unlike regular soda, which is packed with sugar, and can also contain artificial colors and artificial sweeteners, it has only natural ingredients that leave your body feeling great. Did you know that 90% of Americans consume more than the USDA's recommended sugar intake, which is 30 grams? And sweetened beverages like soda are the leading source of added sugars in the American diet. In fact, one soda is almost always above the recommended sugar intake for the entire day. But Olipop is different. Their orange squeeze, for example, has five grams of sugar compared to an orange Fanta, which has 44. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly, with less than eight grams of net carbs per can. They are so confident that you will love their products. They offer a 100% money-back guarantee for orders placed through their website. I've worked out a special deal just for you. Receive 15% off your purchase. I recommend trying their variety pack as a great way to try all of their flavors. Go to drinkollipop.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellness mama at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama to save. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive, a company very near and dear to my heart, as I have seen the difference firsthand that their products make with my own family. And I've heard from so many of you sharing your positive experiences as well. I truly love all of their products, but I have to highlight a few that I love especially much. Their breakthrough award-winning probiotic is hands down the best one I've tried. It contains a proprietary strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants directly in the digestive system where they can be best absorbed by your body. These are also heat-stable probiotics, meaning they can actually survive the harsh environment of your digestive system and get where they're supposed to go. Their K27 is the first all-natural pharmaceutical-grade K27 that supplies the optimal recommended dose for heart, bone, and tooth health. I'm also currently obsessed with their prebiotic drink, which tastes like a delicious tropical drink, and it creates a noticeable improvement in my digestion. And another quick tip, their probiotic is heat stable, so I can easily add it to smoothies and even baked goods for my little ones who aren't great at swallowing pills yet. These are some of the only supplements I take with me when I travel, and I recommend them to friends and family all the time. Check out all of their products at justthrivehealth.com forward slash wellness mama and use the code wellness mama 15 to save 15% on everything. 
So that's J-U-S-T-T-H-R-I-V-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama. I know we touched on so many things and I'll of course put a link in the show notes. You mentioned webinars that you have. Um, if you're willing to send me slides, that would be amazing. But where can people delve more into this if they are interested in keeping learning? Oh my gosh. So we are launching our expanded experience. So if you want to get into some webinars, we have the, it's, it's going now. Uh, we're going to be launching in a few weeks. So if you go to the primalpride.com, I will be doing, and my partner, my husband, Alex, he's a master chat practitioner. So it's a membership platform where we have tons of students come on there and it's weekly, twice a week. We have free open office hours where we engage like this, but it's live and we have all our students come in. It's all Q and a right there. And we have live courses every week. And also all the courses that we have on the platform, you have full access to all the recordings, all the downloads, the PDFs, the resources. And it, it's sort of like a, a, a social media platform. So there's all these little circles and groups where you go in and you have all these downloads, PDFs, videos. It's just a learning platform um, and it's amazing. So you, you'll find all the webinars and the videos and the guides and the exercises and the journal prompts and the courses and everything on there. It's really, really awesome. We're really excited about Expanded Experience launching soon because that is a 12-month uh, group uh, journey it, that's going to take you through uh, everything from the physical to then the emotional and the mental to then you know, connecting with your spiritual body. And it's, uh, it's pretty powerful. It's really fun. So the primalpride.com. And uh, you can also find me um, uh, on Instagram, which is uh, the wise, wise woman rise and primalfusionhealth.com. Perfect. All those links will be in the show notes as well. And I will respect your time and everyone listening, but thank you so much. This is such a fun, wide ranging conversation. And I'm so grateful for your time. Yeah, I can just talk forever about all of this stuff, but thank you again. It was good to talk to you again. And thanks as always to you guys for listening and sharing your time and energy and attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.